All right, welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. I am not joined by Sally today. Instead, taking her place, although you're not a suitable replacement, Chandler, I'm sorry to say. That's all right. <laughs> is Chandler Ride, my brother-in-law, who is a filmmaker. He hails from Michigan at the moment, although his hometown, which is why he's here over this holiday time, is Colorado Springs, where I live. So we get to see them over the holidays, which is fun. So Chandler, welcome back to your hometown. Always great to be here. Uh, I'm excited to talk with you today about Star Wars. The Rise of Skywalker. But before we do that, uh, at, the, at the last time we had you on, I talked about your website at the very end. I want to do that now so people can go see your work. ChandlerRyde.com. You on that site have a number of your creative projects, but a few of your short films, I think, right? Yeah, well, you can check out... Um, I actually currently don't have um, my most recent short, Into the Plains, on there yet, but that will be coming on there soon. Excellent. Um, but I have you know commercial work and that kind of stuff. Okay, sounds good. So check out ChandlerRide.com if you want to see what kind of stuff Chandler's up to. He's a talented guy, and we've been following his work closely for some time. So, But Chandler, today, we're going to talk about Star Wars. Yeah. And we're going to be spoiling a lot. So if you have not seen the movie yet, and you don't want to hear any spoilers, just stop listening now and come back and listen to this afterward. I will also say that I have not seen the movie. <laughs> so Chandler's going to be spoiling for me. Now, I would have seen the movie, and in fact, I tried to see the movie two nights ago, but this is what happened, Chandler. I, we had a friend over for dinner, and this friend, his name is Trey. Trey and I were going to go see Rise of Skywalker. So we leave the house. We get to the theater. We're outside of the theater about to buy tickets for the movie, and Sally calls me and says something exploded in the kitchen. And I had to go back and help Sally fix this problem, which was that we had a backup in our wastewater line, and there was, um, we'll just say, food scraps. Oh, no. <laughs> all over the kitchen, <laughs> uh, flooding our cabinet. Um, it was a mess. And I know nothing about plumbing, so the best I could do is basically clean up the mess that was there and then not touch the sink or dishwasher until the next day when I could call a plumber, et cetera. It was a whole saga. We finally got it fixed. Well, by we, I mean the plumber and the drain cleaner, the professionals that we called to do this. It is now fixed, and uh, we have a functioning sink and dishwasher, I'm happy to say. And uh, our kitchen is drying out slowly but surely. But alas, I did not get to see The Rise of Skywalker. It's okay. I feel like sinks are more important than Star Wars. Um, yeah, I think so too. Now, I, you know, I have, a, I have this whole theory about the five levels of Star Wars fandom. And, Do tell. And the level, the level five people would not agree with that statement. They would say sinks are definitely not more important than Star Wars. But I, as, as a non-level five, would, would agree with you. So my theory goes something like this. There are five levels, really six if we're going to count level zero. So we'll just start there. Level zero is you've never seen a Star Wars movie because you just have no interest in them at all. Now, I will say that even a level zero might know, for example, what a Jedi knight is. Right. Or what a lightsaber is. Mm -hmm. Because Star Wars is one of those rare cultural phenomenons that has so penetrated the cultural milieu that everyone knows something about it. At least in our you know, Western United States <laughs> right. mindset. Um, so that's level zero. Level one is you have seen the movies, um, at least the core three movies, right? The 1970s releases. So you've seen the core trilogy, and you've probably caught a few of the other ones here and there as you were, uh, you know, surfing channels or whatever. You might have watched a little bit of The Phantom Menace. You might have just totally tuned out once, um, once you saw Hayden Christensen's terrible acting as well, you know. Uh, but that's, that's kind of level one. Level two is I've enjoyed these movies. I have watched 
all of them, maybe not the complete spinoffs like um, Rogue One or Solo, but all of the um, all of the sort of canonical Star Wars you'd you'd have seen, right? And you probably have seen at least a few of them more than once because they're these are good spacefaring romps that you enjoy watching. Okay, but as far as deeper level knowledge of and appreciation for the uh, very complex parts of the Star Wars universe, level twos are, are not very helpful. That's where level threes come in. So your level three fans have a much, um, I don't know if healthier is, is exactly the word I'm looking for, but a much more robust appreciation of these movies. The level threes certainly have seen all of the major films, including ones like Rogue One and Solo. They've, um, more than that, they've seen probably all of them at least multiple times. Um, and on top of that, when we talk about the complexities, the level threes would understand what, for example, midichlorians are and who has elevated midichlorian counts and what exactly that means. Um, level threes also make lots of inside jokes about, you know, it's a trap kind of thing, right? Like uh, <laughs> Admiral Akbar. Um, and then there are your level fours. And level fours are where you really start to get serious. Now, I should have mentioned level threes might have like dipped their toe into some of the like animated Star Wars stuff. Sure. Um, maybe even like picked up one fanfic book at, a, at, a, at the library. But that's, that's kind of as far as level three goes. Level fours are where it gets a lot more intense. Level fours have probably seen all of the animated stuff. Um, they, have, they, they have seen all of the major films to such a degree that they can quote chapter and verse for almost all of them. <laughs> and they can point out all of the various inconsistencies where, you know, the, the movies don't quite line up with canon, etc. Um, level fours also have read a lot of the fan fiction universe and, you know, t- a healthy 25 to 35% of their reading consumption is, um, or at least was for a period of five years of their life, like dedicated to star Wars fiction. Um, and so that's kind of level four. And then level five is um, where it's just really uh, the devotion is high. And level five is um, you are a member on multiple like Star Wars message user board things. You um, are in all of the Reddit groups. Um, you uh, own a lot of the, the action figures and you have action figures on your desk at work in a professional environment because you don't care if other people know how into Star Wars you are. You've read all the fan fiction that you can find, anything you can get your hands on. You've seen all the movies and read um, all of the analyses of the movies, and you have, you've penned a blog post or two or a long email to friends about all of the things that you hate about one of the most recent of the three, um, the three major Star Wars releases. Um, and that's it. That's level five. So level five, basically the, the characteristics, level five is the, um, the action figures in the entire fan fiction universe. Um, and then, you know, if there's a level six, I think that's just where you sort of get into like very unhealthy levels of fandom where your fandom starts crowding out real personal relationships. Is that the point at which you start carrying your own lightsaber? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly. exactly. (laughs) Oh, by the way, level five would also be like, if you're thinking about what to get a level five for Christmas, um, like a, a life-size stormtrooper helmet would just be classic would be. Yeah, so appreciated by this person. I walk by in my workplace, uh, my Monday to Friday workplace, I walk by someone's desk and they have a, I think the term would be an Imperial Guard, but the red helmet of ah, an Imperial Guard Yeah, person. That, that's just the normal Imperial Guard. Okay. Yeah. They have that on their desk. Okay. 
And I'm just like, like a life size, you nerd. Yes. Life like size. You could actually like put it on. I your could head. put it on my head. Yes. Wow. And they have that displayed for all to see. There's, I mean, I, I almost applaud the, is it in a display case or is it something like they no. wore it to work? It's, it's almost know, they, like they wore it to work. Yeah, it's just okay. like they're, it was their garb for the day. And then they just, you know, they don't have a, they don't have a helmet rack. So mm. they just sort of put it on top of their desk. Right. But it's one of those desks. It's like a, it's like a shelf. So it's like a, a desk shelf and they put it on the shelf part. So it's actually at people's head level oh, or slightly it. higher if you're a shorter person. Um, and, and so really it's there for everyone to see as they walk by. And it, it's on like a well-trafficked corridor in the building too. Yeah. It's, um, Again, I, I applaud their shamelessness <laughs> in some ways. In some ways. Only in some ways. So those are my five levels. Where would you put yourself, Chandler? I think I'd put myself as a three. Um, grew up, you know, watching and loving Star Wars um, and uh, saw all the prequels in theaters and all the um, new ones in theaters um, and read a couple of the books, um, but not recently. Um, and my dad is also probably a three, but he's, okay. um, he saw, um, the original trilogy. Uh, he didn't see the very first one in theaters, but he saw the other ones in theaters. He saw, he has a story about how he saw the original, uh, on HBO. Oh, wow. Um, but I do have two uncles who are probably fours. Okay. That's, yeah. that's where it starts getting pretty serious. Yeah. The four. Are they borderline four or five or borderline four or three or just firmly? Four? Uh, I think one of them's probably borderline four or five. Ooh, and man. one of them is probably borderline four or three. Okay. One of them went to like the big Star Wars convention in like Florida. Oh my or goodness. Like that recently. So I, I need to um, add this to my definition. I didn't even know there was a Star Wars convention. I shouldn't be surprised. Of course there yeah. are Star Wars conventions. But then one of them recently at the Rise of Skywalker premiere, um, what he has done for the past several movies is they basically buy out the whole theater um, and then sell tickets to their friends. Uh, so it's just a theater full of their friends. That's awesome. And then he also, at that showing, um, announced the sex of their new baby. Um, the gender reveal yeah, at the, the Star Wars Yeah, the gender reveal party. at the Star Wars watch party <laughs> using different colored lightsabers. Oh, no. I think, it was no. Like a, I think it was a purple lightsaber for a girl and maybe like a green for a boy, although I don't remember. Is, I, I wasn't able to go. Are you sure this person is a borderline four or five and not just a five? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well... This uh, Star Wars has a maybe place. He's a five. Yeah, oh, maybe. It sounds like it might be. <laughs> Star Wars has a place in my family lore as well. My parents um, have told me that their first date was at the first Star Wars. Oh wow! Which is a New Hope. Um, so yeah, that was their their first date together. Um, and then I think they saw the other ones in theaters. Um, I saw the Phantom Menace in theaters, and actually, I think I saw um, Clone Attack of the Clones and mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith also in theaters. So I guess mm-hmm. I've seen all of the. The, uh, the newer one, all the ones that I could see in theaters, uh, except for Rogue One and Solo. But I would put myself firmly in number two. So okay. like, I enjoy these films. I've seen them all. I've, I've not touched any of the animated ones because I just don't care that much at all. Sure. Um, but the, to me, it's kind of a liberating thing to be a, a level two fan because you know there are a lot of these debates, and in, in this, this is part of what I want to get to with you. I want to hear your thoughts more specifically on Rise of Skywalker as you spoil it away for me. But I mean, one, I don't care about spoilers, right? Because to me, these are just like enjoyable action movies where you can suspend belief in the laws of physics and to some degree nature because this is a galaxy far, far away and mm-hmm. different things happen and they happen differently. Um, so it's just, it's just fun to kind of like suspend reality for a couple hours on a, on a uh, journey with you know, some lovable characters along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really don't care about is like how consistent these movies are across each other because okay. 
again, I'm already suspending belief, you know? Yeah. So like, I don't know, I guess it would be akin to like, I don't know, watching the, maybe a bad example, and, and I'm sure Lord of the Rings people would get on my case for this, but it'd be kind of like watching the Lord of the Rings and, you know, having like read the books and then being like, that is definitely not how elves are in the books. And it's how they're portrayed in the movie. I'm like, guys, we're talking about elves here. Yeah, so sure. like, it doesn't really matter either uh -huh. way. Like, let's just enjoy the movie. Just shut up and enjoy the movie. So that's kind of been my approach to Star Wars. And like, I don't, I don't say that to criticize, criticize people who do really care. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I mean, we all have things we really care about, right? Like some of the things I really care about, other people would be like, dude, just shut up and enjoy it. Right. Right. So I'm not criticizing, but it's nice being a level two because I can just go to the movies and be like, that was fun. I mean, one example, right, in The Last Jedi, there's that scene at the end where Luke Skywalker comes in to save the day, and everyone's yes. like, how did he do this? Wow, we didn't, I didn't expect Luke to come. He finally, you know, did come and listen to, was it Finn, or was it Ray who went Ray. to See, I don't, Ray even, went I, I don't yep. remember this. Okay, so, so Ray goes and gets him, right? He's, he's, like, very reticent, but then he shows up and saves the day, like, totally unpredictable, yada, yada. Uh, obviously very predictable. But how he did it was not predictable, because right. he was, like, teleporting, right? And yep. so this... Well, he, he was, he was Using a force projection. For, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm, excuse me. The, <laughs> I use the incorrect terminology. Uh, yes. The correct terminology in the Star Wars universe would be force projection, which is like not something that has happened before, right? Not in the movies. Not in the movies. Okay. Um, so it's not, it's not part of the, the film canon. But it's very much a part of the um, expanded universe. Or I, don't, I don't know if it's part of the Disney canon. I mean, obviously it's part of the Disney canon yeah. now, but um prior to that yeah it, it's def it had been in the water so but even so even that's a good example right because i watched it and i was like yay luke skywalker saved the day what it's just a projection cool whatever you know he still saved the day and yeah. then other people are like he projected i've never seen that before in a star wars movie that's ridiculous that was a stupid cop-out and then other people i mean it sounds like you're you're telling me that this is not unheard of in the wider star wars universe yeah so there are deeper fans who might be like no that's actually it's it's plausible to expect that Luke Skywalker could force project. Well, there's a funny Twitter thread um, that I saw a long time ago, where um, the director Ryan Johnson got a lot of flack for a lot of different things in the Last Jedi. But one of the things was that force projection okay. um, that some hardcore fans uh, took issue with, and he had this funny series of pictures where he took pictures of his hand reaching for a book on his bookshelf, which is like the Jedi Manual. And okay. then he flipped to a certain page and in there is like force projection, it's like in the book. You like it. So, you know, he's literally in the book yeah, he's, on, he, on Jedi manuals. Right. Or so on, yeah. he's, he's saying that he's in the clear there. Um, so who, anyway. who wrote that? I mean, this is, I guess, one question I have. Like, I have no idea. who wrote Yeah. That. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I guess it is all open for debate. Like what is and is not in canon because it's not like George Lucas is the arbiter of the entire canon, right? Not he's, anymore he at least. Like, yeah. He doesn't issue like an imprimatur on everything that's published under the star Wars logo. Right? Well now so he, he has no, now it's Disney. <laughs> yeah. Now he has no say yeah. um, to my knowledge. He has, he has no say in um, whether or not something gets approved or not, which is an interesting decision. And I probably would have made the exact same decision he did. <laughs> I mean, he got a lot of money for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, let's talk about Rise of Skywalker. Um, this is going to be the part where we're really spoiling away. And by we, I mean you, since I haven't seen the movie. But spoil it away for me. Um, let's start with this. Can you give me like a two-minute synopsis? Absolutely. All right. So um, the first thing on the scroll, uh, the classic yeah. Star Wars scroll, is um, the dead speak. Um, just the That's dead it speak, says. it says. Okay. Um, and then it goes on to explain what's happened since The Last Jedi. Okay. Um, but basically, Palpatine is back. Wait, what? Yeah. Um, so... Wait, he died 
at the end of the original trilogy, right? Yes. Yes. Because Darth Vader, Darth Vader turned good. Yep. And then threw him down the big turbine thing. Yep. Okay. He, Darth Vader, you know, Anakin Skywalker brought balance to the Force by killing Palpatine, as one does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now, apparently, Anakin didn't bring balance to the Force because now Palpatine's back. He's force Somehow. projecting. Uh, they, to be honest, no. like they don't explain it. Oh, okay. They don't explain how he's back. Okay. They just explain, oh, he's back somehow. Do you see him like in the flesh? Like yes. he's, okay. Yes. So the opening sequence is, um, kind of like at the beginning of a TV show where they do like, um, previously on X show, oh, okay. you know, previously on star Wars, yeah. um, they have this <laughs> quick montage of what they've been up to and you see Ray like training and you see Kylo flying through like wormholes and everything. Is Kylo still good. Uh, what are you, still good? No, Was it, wasn't he good? No, Didn't, I thought he like I thought Ray convinced him to be good or something. No, so um, they together they killed Snoke. Okay, and that's what I was thinking. Kylo is like, join me, we will rule the galaxy. Oh, so he decided to stay dark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, there's he's, kind he's of, on the dark side. Yeah, he's on the dark side. Okay. So he um is going to find Palpatine because he thinks that Palpatine is now a threat to his power as supreme leader over the First Order. Um, okay. Gets to Palpatine and Palpatine says basically, um, join me and I'll give you the most powerful fleet you've ever seen. And then suddenly out of nowhere conjures, or I guess they've been building it somehow, um, a massive fleet of like star destroyers, star destroyers okay. that all have like a death star gun on oh, them. Oh, good. So basically it'd be like a thousand death stars. Right. Um, good. So that's how the movie opens. Does and he accept this offer? He does. Oh, wow. Um, so Kylo... Never, never saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Kylo's now like under the authority of another yeah. bigger Sith Lord. So he's, this is just Darth Vader all over again. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and then the rest of the film, um, somehow, uh, I forget how exactly, um, the Resistance finds out that um, on this planet uh, that... Palpatine has been hiding out on um, called Exegol, um, which is apparently like the Sith planet from long, long ago. Um, they find out that Palpatine is back. He's there and they need to find a way to get to Exegol to destroy this fleet before it rules the galaxy. So they go more or less uh, planet hopping, um, look, chasing after MacGuffins. Um, they have to find some dagger and then they have to translate the dagger to find this other gizmo that will then lead them to Exegol. And then they can fight Palpatine. All a very natural progression. Yeah. <laughs> <the story>. so, <laughs> so anyway, um, there's, there's a lot of, of kind of planet hopping, a lot of jumping between um, these different fetch quests, trying to find things and then translate them. And then, um, you know, you meet some new characters, people get captured. Um, and along the way, uh, uh, Kylo is trying to find Rey and turn her to the dark side. Um, Palpatine has told Kylo Again. that he has to kill Rey, mm. but Rey or, but Kylo decides that instead of killing her, he wants to turn her to the dark side. So charitable. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and meanwhile, Rey is, is trying to figure out her identity and who she is. Yeah, so that was the question I had for you. Do we find out who Rey is? Yes. Who is she? Uh, okay, big, big spoiler here. Um, she is Palpatine's granddaughter. Okay. So, so he had children. Somehow. Wow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, it's unexpected. Yeah. I, maybe that's out there in books somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, she is a Palpatine. 
So that's why he wants her killed, because presumably she's the only one who could be powerful enough to unseat him. Right. Okay, got it. Yes. That closes the loop for me. Okay. Right. And then what happens? Um, well, they hop between all the different planets. You know, um, they, at one point, um, well, there's the, the forced link thing that you saw in The Last Jedi where uh, Kylo yes. and Rey are, are linked yep. in, kind of mentally. Yep. That plays a huge role here. So there's actually a really um, interesting lightsaber battle where they're, they're somehow able to physically interact in spite of the fact that they're in different locations. So they have a lightsaber battle um, through this force link. That ups the ante quite a bit. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's one of the most interesting parts of the movie, in my opinion. That sounds interesting. Um, but uh, so they, they chase down this dagger. Then they have to go get the dagger translated. Um, or actually, um, I'm not going to get in the weeds. They have to get it translated somehow. Okay. And then Chewie winds up getting captured. So then they have to go rescue Chewie, which they do, um, and then they're able to escape. Um, and uh, then they have to go find the little tracking device that um, the dagger had told them to go find. So then they go find the tracking device, which is inside the shell of an old Death Star. Mm. Um, and so uh, Ray goes and captures that as a brief encounter with another Force vision of Kylo. Um, and then uh, at some point Leia dies because Carrie Fisher. Right, right. Um, and then do they, they do the CGI um, recreation of her? Yeah, they, they do a CGI recreation of her. It's a mix of that and a, and like um, reusing previously footage. recorded footage yeah. that they didn't use in previous films. Okay. Um, and then they have a big showdown um, on Exegol and there's lightsaber battle yeah. giant, Star, you know, Star Destroyer yep. fight, um, and uh, kind of face down Palpatine at the end. So uh, I assume Palpatine loses this final battle, but um, is there any way to make the make his loss definitive and final if what was previously a pretty definitive and final defeat wasn't a defeat? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean hypothetically, yeah, like I presumably he's dead, right? Um, and it, it is done and again, a fairly final right. way. Um, but apart from knowing that Kathleen Kennedy has said that they're not going to make more, um, Skywalker trilogies, it's unlikely that we'll see Palpatine resurrect for a second time. So the rise of Skywalker is also the end of Skywalker. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing about rise of Skywalker is that, um, Ray kind of like adopts the Skywalker legacy. Yeah. Rather than it's, she's not actually, she's not biologically or genetically Skywalker. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. I have so many questions based on that. Uh, it's that brief. So <sighs> my, my first question. Yeah. Really the most important question. When Ray finds out that she is the granddaughter of Palpatine, is it in a climactic moment where he says, I am your grandfather <laughs> they don't have an i am your grandfather oh, moment bummer um i so disappointed uh, to hear that i i honestly kind of forget how exactly how revealed. exactly that's revealed i my sense is that it happened I, I think it happens well before the climax um actually yeah it happens before and even apparently leia had known it for a while, but just hadn't told Ray because she didn't want to like sure. scare her or something. Does she take the news better than Luke did when he found out that Vader was his father? 
Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Just that <laughs> that emotionally stunted. No. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Good. Well, uh, we've got some we've got some time left. I want to hear your thoughts on the movie itself from an artistic standpoint because you're the filmmaker here and I haven't seen it. So let me defer to you here. I will just say just to maybe kick off the conversation a little bit. I was looking at some Rotten Tomatoes scores here. Yes. And they're, they're very they're, interesting. They're very interesting. So let's go back up to The Force Awakens, right? This is the episode seven, the first of the new trilogy, right? Yep. 93% Rotten Tomatoes critic meter. Yep. 86% audience score. Yep. Pretty, Pretty relative, rel- relative parody and very good, right? Yep. Yep. All right. Let me go to The Last Jedi. This is when things start to get polarizing mm-hmm. because here we have a 91% critic score, mm-hmm. very good, mm-hmm. and a 43% audience score. Yes. So this is where people started to really dislike things. So critics loved The Last Jedi. Audience did not. Now we come to The Rise of Skywalker. 55% critic score. That's, the, that's indicated by the splats on the Rotten Tomatoes. And an 86% audience score. Audience loved it. Critics did not. So what is going on here? It's a very interesting thing. Um, I think, um, you know, uh, The Force Awakens is very obviously a retelling of A New Hope. Um, the kind of plot points are, are, are very similar. Uh, you have, you know, the desert, uh, character who Ray, Ray who, and Luke, right. Who, and Luke yeah. who leaves and then has to have this kind of hero's journey moment where she realizes that she is in some way special and chosen and then has to go take down the Death Star, um, and confront the saber wielding villain at some point. Um, so I think from a fan standpoint, um, it lands a lot of uh, good beats that like feel good uh, for Star Wars fans coming into a new trilogy years after thinking that no new Star Wars movie is going to get made. Um, but I think what makes The Force Awakens a really interesting film and, and a nice film to watch is that the first act is quite slow, actually. Um, and you see Rey kind of on, on Jakku, and there's a lot of good character development in there and then Finn Finn's a great character Finn's a great character and really fascinating as well so I think there's some really solid storytelling elements in The Force Awakens fast forward to The Last Jedi and I think the things that the critics liked about The Last Jedi were that it was bold and it did things that were um, pretty surprising and it's made by a filmmaker who has come um, not from franchise movies like J.J. Abrams but from his own original concepts that he's done so it, it very much feels distinct uh and 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 novel novel yeah and so i think that's why a lot of the fans didn't like it because it takes characters in different directions and it has i think some some bad story steps as well namely the weird casino sequence that right nobody likes um but when you get to rise of skywalker it kind of feels like jj abrams had a middle film that he wanted to make then Ryan Johnson made his middle film, and J.J. is like, okay, great. Now I have to try and fit two movies into this third movie. <laughs> <laughs> because Ryan Johnson did The Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson did The Last Jedi. J.J. Abrams. J.J. J. Abrams Rise did Rise of Skywalker is he and done? Force Awakens. J.J. Abrams, is he done with Star Wars now, or is he leaving uh, the door open? I don't know. Okay, all right. So uh, he, he hasn't announced this is my final Star Wars. Not that I know. Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, Rise of Skywalker, if you didn't like The Last Jedi, I think you'll like the Rise of Skywalker. And if you liked The Last Jedi, I think you'll find a lot of things obnoxious about Rise of Skywalker because 
in the first like 20 minutes or so, Rise of Skywalker more or less undoes much of what Ryan Johnson did in uh, The Last Jedi. So in The Last Jedi, um, most of the characters were separate. In this film, they make a big point that the main three characters, Ray, Finn, and Poe, are together. Oh, Poe's back. Uh, yeah, Poe's back. Okay. They're going on this mission together. Yeah. They say that many times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, in uh, The Last Jedi, um, Kylo tells Ray that her parents were junkers. They were nobodies. Mm-hmm. And so we get the sense that um, she's a self-made woman, that she isn't from royalty, Star Wars royalty. And in Rise of Skywalker, we see, it's, oh, it's actually the opposite. Um, her parents kind of were nobodies, but her grandfather, he was kinda, the kinda one. Kind of somebody, <laughs> a little bit. Um, and and uh, a lot of people didn't like uh, Rose. And if you didn't like Rose in uh, The Last Jedi. Is she back? She's back, but you see her about three times um, very briefly in the film. Uh, so if you didn't like Rose, then you might like this movie. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so anyway. Um, yeah. My friends Sounds like a, a hated creative, the last a creative Jedi. disconnect between Abrams and yes, Johnson. Very much. Um, and I think that ultimately undermines the film. Um, because what I said at the beginning of this episode was that uh, the beginning of the movie feels like, like previously on Star Wars. Um, the whole movie kind of feels like that. It's extremely fast-paced. Yeah. Um, and not in a thrilling way. In a way uh, that undercuts a lot of the tension or the challenges where they approach a new situation and every 15 minutes they approach a new challenge, a new situation. Yep. And then they set it up and it's like, Oh, this is going to be really hard. And then, um, basically they think of one idea and then they do it and it it works. works, (laughs) And then it's like, great. Okay. Now on to the next thing. So there's no real tension. No, it's just, um, it's just like easy problem solving. Yes. Case in point. Um, they're on a desert planet, um, and uh, then Chewie gets captured by the Imperials. And you think that he's going to you know, be taken away, and then Ray tries to save him by using the Force to stop the transport vehicle from flying away. And then Kylo also shows up and uses the Force to try and um, push the transport vehicle So the Force is forward. canceling each other out. So you just see this moment, this great moment, where um, they are uh, each trying to stop you know, do different things with this transport and it's hovering in the air. And then suddenly Ray in this, uh, fit of, you know, uh, this, this kind of passionate force uh, rage. Yeah. Force rage. She accidentally uses force lightning for the first time. Oh, nice. And so the whole time you've seen Ray kind of teetering on the dark side a little bit where she's being tempted. And so now you see her accidentally using, it is always jarring the first time you use force lightning by accident, (laughs) (laughs) but then she destroys the transport. Wow. And so it's this uh, heart-wrenching moment where you think that Chewie's dead. And then about three minutes later, you see that, oh, there was actually a second transport that Chewie was on. And oh, that's um, so lame. Now Chewie's not dead, but he's actually just captured by the Imperials. It's just, I mean, it's uh, like, I don't say it's lame because I want Chewie to die. I say it's lame because you need to have real stakes in a movie, right? And you, so I said earlier at the beginning of the on-screen crawl, the dead speak. This movie is obsessed with resurrecting the dead. Mm. Um, Palpatine comes back, Chewie supposedly dies and then comes back. Um, at what point C-3PO has kind of a death, but then kind of comes back. That's unfortunate. I, um, hate, I hate C-3PO <laughs> with a passion. <laughs> um, the worst character in all Star Wars. Lando also comes back. I like Lando. Um, and so it's, it's, it's always bringing back these old things. Okay. Um, but then later, there's a sequence where they're trying to rescue Chewie from the Star Destroyer. 
And it's basically just the middle act of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. But instead of taking 40 minutes, it takes 15 minutes. And I think that's about every 20 minutes of the film is that it could have been the middle of another Star Wars movie. Right. Like there's a big challenge that they hype it up and then they go fix it in 10 minutes and then we're on to the next thing. And so that to me is the biggest flaw of this film is that I could never emotionally connect with any of the stakes because as soon as it sets up something that's a problem, they fix it too quickly, too quickly and yeah. too easily. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, one of my favorite movies is The Martian. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's similar to what you're laying out in the sense that it's just a series. It's, it's one long series of problems, mm-hmm. but it's very different in the sense that, you know, the, the act of watching him solve the problems is fascinating in and of itself. Yes. And his first attempts often don't succeed or they'll succeed for a little bit and then not, you know, like, like when the hab blows up, for example. Right. And then that leads to more problems. And so through the whole sequence, you get the impression that this is, you know, his, um, the probability of survival for any other person would be infinitesimally small. Right. But he's so incredibly good at what he does and has such a willpower and determination to do it matched with the intellect. And it's just amazing to watch. Right. But what you're saying, um, rise of Skywalker is about is really just like a, you know, if it would be more akin to like watching a version of the Martian, if all of his problems were very, very simple and he would just be like, Oh no, this lug nut is loose. Let me tighten it. Okay, good now. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like very, very simple, reductive problems. Yes. And then by the end, you're just like, well, what was the two hours of my life for? That was kind of lame. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt walking out of the movie. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, I said earlier, there's a sequence where Ray has to retrieve a special like homing device from mm-hmm. the whole, the, the Death Star the hole, old hole of the Death Star. Yeah. And this is on one of the moons of Endor. Um, so we're kind of going back to a similar location. That what we because when it exploded, it hit the moon. Yeah, yeah. it's not it's not the same one. Okay, but it's a similar. So it's, the, it's so the Ewoks do not make an appearance. The Ewoks make a very very brief oh, appearance. Okay, at least um, at least they're there. But um, it's you see the old Death Star, and there's crashing waves around it because it crashed like in the ocean, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's impossible to get out there. There's a storm." And then the next shot is Ray just like riding out on, on this a boat. little boat thing, like just like kind of skipping across the waves. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, okay. Oh, there's another boat over here. We could do the same thing. And then they both go out there. Um, and then you see Ray like climbing up through the old Death Star, which to me just felt like a perfect metaphor for this film, which is these characters um, more or less just, uh, they're, they're, they're climbing inside the shell of these older movies. I like that. Um, they're trying to kind of make their way upward and, and struggling. And the actors are giving great performances, um, but you're still left with the impression that um, they're living inside the husk of, of older dead films. The Dead Speak. The Dead Speak. Oh, man. Uh, okay, that's um, you're, you're making me think that maybe I should just wait to watch this till it comes out on digital i'll I'll wait till it's disney plus um okay what else do you have on this show we've got about five minutes left uh so a couple of months ago um martin scorsese got in a bunch of got a bunch of heat and kind of media attention for a or rightly impugning the marvel universe yes he called the the monster it's become he called them uh theme parks yeah that's right cinema i agree um because what he's saying is that cinema is about the human heart and these movies are primarily about spectacle and they're kind of about themselves. Now I would, I mean, I would, uh, we could, we could, we should have a longer conversation about this. Yeah. I mean, later, 
That's, been, that's I, but, been talked about a lot. It has, but I would say that, um, you know, I agree with Scorsese if he's talking about like what the Marvel universe has become. If you look yeah. at the earlier stuff, I, I think it's different. Yep. I think yep. it is about the human heart. I think it right. is about human trials. Um, and so it's it's different. But yeah, I mean, just watching Avengers Endgame, it's a separate discussion. And we actually we we discussed that on the podcast um, when Endgame came out. But it's just become too big. It's too much. And actually, some of the stuff you were talking about, mm-hmm. one problem after another, it sounded to me like something out of the recent Marvel universe. Yeah. So what um. What I have to unfortunately say about this film is that I think that this film has become Disneyfied. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this film has gotten to the point where this Star Wars franchise has lost a lot of that original um, kind of mythology and the original kind of longing that you feel with Luke Skywalker looking out at the twin sons as he's of longing Tatooine. to get off this planet and make something of his life. Um, and... Uh, here, The Rise of Skywalker feels more like it's about um, kind of paying service to all these previous films and being about these previous films rather than trying to uh, forge a path of their own or uh, be a, a film that's really kind of trying to say something deeper about um, humanity or the stories that we tell or this kind of myth that, that they've built up. Um, and it's, it's very fast. It just, it just seems like it gets through everything way too quickly. Um, and, and it just left me, uh, it felt like it just kind of skipped along the surface of, of story rather than kind of plunging into anything. And then if you look at, I mean, I even rewatched, uh, Attack of the Clones a couple, uh, like a week or two ago. It was actually the night after I watched Rise of Skywalker and, you know, Attack of the Clones has plenty of other problems, but one of the problems it doesn't have is I think that the structure and the pace of the film, um, I'd like the slowness of it actually. Um, and it was just a, such a sharp departure that um, the prequel films all had um, a slowness in the first act that yep. kind of builds into a big climax. And here, it very much feels like the third act stretched over, you know, two hours and 20 minutes. Um, there's not that sense of longing. There's not that sense of questioning or who am I or what, my, what is my purpose? Ray is constantly asking that question, but the filmmaking never gives us an a answer. moment to sit in that question right and and kind of um understand emotionally where she is i think it's it's too concerned with trying to get the next doodad so that we can go destroy um palpatine i will say there's also a very strange ray slash kylo like the raylo dynamic raylo um, yeah and there's even uh, it, it are gets, they related no okay it gets weirdly romeo and juliet in mm. the end um there's okay. there's even an intro this is like total, so finn and ray are not going to yeah. be an item because of Rose, right? Yeah, Finn, Finn and, Finn and Ray are not, are no longer a love thing, okay. but there's a, still a weird tension there. But aren't, aren't Finn and Rose kind of uh, that's, an item? That's totally dropped. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yep. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so Finn is kind of a confused character in this movie Okay. Um, where there's even a, a moment where Finn says, I have something really important to tell you, Ray, and then... He decides to save it for later because there are other characters in the room and it seems like something that is, you know, personal to him. Right. And it kind of seems like he's about to say, like, like I have feelings for yeah. you or something like that. But that literally never gets resolved. So that's we, just we never hanging know. there. Yeah, we never know what Poe or what Finn actually was going to say. To be continued. Um, and maybe it's that he was going to say that he's force sensitive because that comes up in the movie too. Um, but it's never confirmed. So that's kind of a 
frustrating story thread. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I think they just they create these hanging storylines to better set themselves up, set themselves up for a sequel, right? Yeah, it's uh, they see dollar signs when they leave storylines open like that. But I, I hope that they don't make another um with this same kind of cast of characters doing the same sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think at a certain point it just feels reductive. And to your point about um, when you're saying the Force Awakens was basically the New Hope or a New Hope Redux, right? Like, yeah. Um, a lot of these movies feel that way to me. Mm-hmm. And so, th- and that's why, again, I enjoy being a level two fan because <laughs> I just go and like, I'm going to see a fun movie about space travel and lightsaber duels and yeah, it'll right. be great. Right. But um, if I go any deeper than that, I, I really have a hard time ramping up my fandom because I'm like, oh, great. Let's see another movie with some like figurehead at the end, at the head of, you know, an empire like entity, be that their first order or the empire or whatever. And uh, then we'll find a like conflicted young person who's being pulled to the dark side and to the good simultaneously. And Mm -hmm. like, I know that they're going to fulfill their destiny of being good eventually, but it's going to be a little bit of friction along the way. And there'll be some um, entertaining characters, uh, some more annoying than others like Jar Jar Binks, but um, there'll be kind of the sidekicks that are like not really necessary to the plot in any way, but might be helpful problem solvers along the way, like right. Han Solo and Chewie. Like, there's just a lot of, like, all of those elements I think you'll find in every single Star Wars movie. And so, right. to me, at a certain point, it's just like, how many can they make before they really do sort of start to tarnish reputation? Because Star Wars once was, maybe still is, but to me, probably isn't anymore. It once was viewed as something that was, like, so novel and so interesting and so innovative and that's why it's become such a phenomenon. Right. But at a certain point, I think it is kind of like the franchise effect, right? Like J.J. Abrams, when you look at what, what he's done with the Star Trek series, or... Right. Um, he specializes in franchise remakes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's just the nature of... Like, it's not a bad thing, but look at anything that like Michael Bay did with Transformers, or... Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Spielberg a lot, but his you know Jurassic Park, for example, like it's all the same story, right? Yeah. And so when you do these franchises, the, especially if you're the same director... Right. The, t- the tendency is to just repeat yourself. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what Abrams, based on what you said, it sounds like what Abrams did. And I think the risk is higher the bigger the franchise becomes because mm-hmm. it's harder and harder to make an innovative film right. if you have nine other films before you that have tried to do the same thing. Right. Yes. And it also should be noted that um, the one of the screenwriters for this one, his name is uh, Chris Turio. Um, and he also wrote, uh, justice league. Oh, interesting. so he, he has a history of, of coming into these big franchises wow. and writing bad scripts. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> and I mean, uh, it's a slightly different point, but just to augment that superhero stuff. Yeah. Right. right. So we were talking right. about, uh, kind of like the Disney, the Disneyfication of the Marvel universe. And now we're maybe seeing with, with, and, uh, and actually one of the, um, story credits for the film goes to Colin Trevorrow. Uh, and he, wrote and directed um, the Jurassic King, re- or, sorry, Jurassic Park reboot. Um, Interesting. Or the Jurassic World, yeah. Which was horrible. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, no, not Fallen Kingdom? Like not the Fallen first, Kingdom. Okay, Jurassic World was pretty good, actually. The, the Fallen Jurassic Kingdom World. was terrible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Fallen Kingdom, but Jurassic Don't. World was, I thought it was decent, but it wasn't amazing. Well, um, you know, on this, just on this point of like being innovative or, and not being Disney-fied, I like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. I don't know what your opinion is about like exactly why you like it, but the reason I like it is because it is kind of like a spoof in and of itself of yes. superhero stuff, right? Yes, totally. And I think there's a big problem when it's harder and harder to distinguish between a Star Wars movie and a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. 
But to me, like what you're describing sounds more and more like a Guardians movie the more you describe it. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that just because it's not as funny. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Like I found myself laughing. I laughed multiple times in Rise of Skywalker, but it was because of um, bad plot choices right. rather than actual, actual intentional. Like comedy. I actually like laughed out loud at the end when there's this really weird um, Romeo Juliet moment where like Ray dies and then Kylo like brings her back the somehow, dead speak. and then they kiss. <laughs> oh my goodness. What? And then Kylo dies. Oh my goodness. It's like, it's a Romeo and Juliet, yeah, you know, but it's, it feels completely out of, out of left field. Wow. Um, but I will say just to leave off on a positive note, there are a couple of nice things about this movie that I did appreciate um, both as a Star Wars fan and as a filmmaker. And really, it was the lightsaber battles. Okay. Um, there were some really nice lightsaber battles here. Mostly the two that I'm thinking of um, are where um, Ray and Kylo have that force link. Mm-hmm. And there's one in particular where Ray is on the Star Destroyer in Kylo's like private quarters. And Kylo is down on uh, the surface world. And they have this, this battle um, through the force that winds up um, destroying the old Darth Vader mask. Oh, um, wow. That's cool. It was a really interesting thing. And just seeing how this force link can become real yeah. is really interesting. And then there's also a really great moment where Ray passes Kylo a, a lightsaber through this force link um, when Kylo is in trouble. Um, so, so things can materially pass? Yes. Wow. I guess. So this is not a force projection. This is now like teleportation. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It, it becomes more concrete over time, I guess. Interesting. Um, so there, there, there are a few um, nice moments. And I mean, look, it's, it's amazing actors. They're really talented actors. That is one thing I do appreciate about the, the reboot. Yeah. Uh, is that, and I'm talking about the, the reboot starting with Force Awakens, not starting with Phantom Menace. Yeah. Starting with Force Awakens, whoever is at the helm was finally like, we're going to get good actors. In here. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who, I mean, uh, what Liam Neeson and Alec Guinness and Harrison Ford are like the only good actors. I guess Samuel Jackson as Mace Windu, and some of the more uh, auxiliary characters. But yeah. what what main character was actually a good actor or actress? I mean, Natalie Portman is good. Well, but, but I think but she's in, good now. But, but I don't think she was good. Yeah, in the in the movies, I don't career. think she yeah. was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Hayden Christensen is terrible. Oh, he's terrible. Um, which I also think is partly a writing problem. Sure. Um, yeah, that's fair. I'm not saying that he's a great actor, but. But right, right to your cast. Yeah, there's there's some bad lines. Yeah, Um, for sure. The one thing Aiden Christensen could do is he he could he could do angry like kind of okay. That's true. Um, he he could he could be convincingly angry. Yeah, but he could not be convincingly like anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Like even when even when he's frustrated, he's not convincing. Right. But it's when he's like full out rage mode. Then that's when he's got that look in his eyes. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Okay. Well, uh, go check out. Rise of Skywalker. If you if this has made you want to see it more, uh, yeah, I mean, go form your own. I, opinion, I think I will yeah. see it in theaters because Star Wars are fun to see in theaters, right? Yeah, you get yeah. you know, like you get those sweeping, uh, the sweeping star vistas and lightsaber battles and everything. So right. that's great. Well, thanks for coming on, Chandler. This was a lot of fun to talk to you about Star Wars. To our listeners, go check out Chandler's work, Chandler Ride R Y D dot com. If you have anything you want me to pass on to Chandler, or you have anything you want to add to this conversation, email us Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. If you have a message for Chandler, I'll be happy to pass it on as well. So Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week.